The world has changed a lot in a few short months. Not that long ago, COVID-19 was not in our vocabulary. We had never heard of shelter in place or social distancing. We've been plunged into a world without church services, movie theaters, handshakes, or hugs. A world at home. And this season has taught us a lot. Some of the lessons were fun and some of them painful. Most of them seasoned with the bitterness of loneliness and isolation. But we must remember that we are not alone in the church. We need each other now more than ever. We are all called to minister to our friends, children, and neighbors. We are all called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to open our homes to the lost and broken, and introduce them to the God who is longing to meet with them. And as we engage with the pain around us, we become a beacon of hope. Our homes can become the light of community the world is starved for. As the church, we must remind people in this season that we may be home, but we are not alone. Good day to you, Living Streams. Um, it's good to be with you again. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed that worship time and um, hope you're getting excited about some of those announcements. We, um, we are getting excited about this Home But Not Alone series and, and what could take place as we begin to, to take steps towards regathering, um, getting people together in our homes and, and allowing us to minister to each other in that realm. Um, it's a very important part of church. It's a very important part of our discipleship and spiritual formation, more so than just receiving um, it's also to, to give and the fellowship is important as well. And uh, yeah, we do have some smaller gatherings that we're going to be opening up on campus so we can get together um, in, in larger groups with real careful social distancing. Um, we want to take this seriously. And, uh, and so we are excited about what's to come. Thank you for tracking with us. Thank you for sticking with us. Please keep sticking with us. Thank you so much for giving financially. Thank you for all the good reports we're getting, that you're caring for one another and for people that aren't even a part of our church. Um, let's keep it going. As I was coming this morning and, and going through the worship time and praying, um, I really felt like the Lord was saying that, that He wants to give to us some endurance. Um, we serve a God who is, is great at encouragement and uh, really does want to give us hope and wants, to, wants us to persevere and endure. And uh, we got into this disruption really quick, um, but it seems like getting out is taking a long time, and, uh, and it might even take a lot longer than, than we all think. But um, we need the endurance. We need to lean on the Lord, rely on Him for strength, to continue to be kind to each other, consider it, um, and, to, and to make it through this thing, um, just as the Lord would want us to. And also want to just say happy Memorial Day weekend to everybody. Hope you take some time to really thank the Lord for all those who, who uh, gave their lives so that we could have the liberties we have um, and, uh, and, and are willing to fight against some of the evils in this world. Um, it's a beautiful thing. So we're going to jump into uh, Revelation chapter 5 um, to kick off, kind of get, get our minds around what the Word of God is trying to teach us today. Um, we're going to be talking about the priesthood of believers um, and it is going to be a call to you. Um, you've been able to watch church in your pajamas. You've been able to just kind of chill at home and sipping some coffee or whatever. But 
Um, as a pastor and as the one leading the church, I really feel like the Lord's calling us to, to start getting back to work in some ways. And, uh, and so I'm going to be sharing a message that could come off pretty heavy if you're like feeling weary, if you're feeling um, maybe you're struggling sometime, some, some right now. Um, this message could land a little heavy on you, but that's not my intention. My intention is to just kind of give us some next steps of what God is calling us to get back to. And hopefully some of you have been doing this already, but really the priesthood of believers is what we're talking about. And uh, we're going to get a picture from that from the book of Revelation. If you want to turn there or it'll pop up on the screen. Revelation chapter 5 says this, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying this, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I do thank you for our time this morning. And Lord, I just know each person watching this is, uh, is dealing with their own thoughts and emotions. And Lord, I pray that, that during this time of worship, during this time of listening to your word, they'd really be able to get in touch with, with what you're doing in their life. Lord, they would be able to see you above the struggles and challenges. They would feel your spirit in them um, stronger than all of the weakness they feel. And Lord, whatever, whatever difficulties they are dealing with, I pray that they would have courage, they would have hope, and that they really would have your endurance, Lord, so that they could persevere and be more than conquerors in this life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we jump in too far, I want to talk to the kids again who are watching. Thanks you for tuning in and sticking with it. Um, also, thank you so much for all the pictures that you sent me last week. Uh, we did pick a winner, and we'll be delivering a little something-something um, this, b- b- um, this week. And uh, this, this next week, we want to also do the same thing. So my idea this time is, is just draw a picture of, of your, your idea of what you would look like as a priest. So if you want to do that and submit that, that'd be great. Um, David at livingstreams.org um, would be great. Or you can post it to our Instagram and all of that. Um, but that'd be fun. And thanks again for participating, young ones. Um, all right, so we're talking about priesthood. We're talking about what God is wanting to do here. And we see in the end in Revelation that God, um, in the end, uh, uses the death and resurrection of Christ to basically do something that um, these people are singing about. And what it was that he used his blood to purchase for himself people of every tribe, every tongue, every language, every nation. Um, and he made them to be a kingdom of priests. That's what God, in the end, is, is bringing about. That's what our, our grand inheritance is. That's the direction that we're headed. That God is wanting to us all to be a kingdom of priests. 
And then if we go back to the, to the beginning of the Bible in Exodus chapter 19, I want to share some verses with you there. This is right after the people of God have been called out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness. Um, they're just about to get the Ten Commandments and, and God does something. He shows up on the top of this mountain, this burning fire representing the presence of God on top of this mountain. And he's calling out to Moses and to the people. And he's saying, I want you to come close. I want you to consecrate yourselves. I'm going to do something. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to draw you into something. And, uh, and this is what he says. He says, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So here we have in the beginning, right after God has kind of formed his people into a nation, he's just about to give them the tabernacle and, and, and describe what the priesthood looks like. But, but what we hear in the beginning is, it's almost as if God is saying to all of them, I want you all to be drawn in to this royal priesthood, to, the, to be this kingdom of priests. But what we see in Exodus chapter 20, the response of the people, let's read that. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us, or we will die. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you, so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And as you read this, this kind of stories, and you, you put a little bit of Exodus together, a little bit of Numbers, um, all, all of this journey that the people were on from from Egypt to the promised land. And you see this moment where God was really trying to consecrate and call them into something of intimacy with him. You, you, you hear this, this kind of, this moment where God is calling them all and they're saying, nah, this is a little too scary. Moses, why don't you go and represent us? Why don't you go as an intermediary between us and God? Why don't you go up into the, the cloud? Why do you, and it, it's a little confusing as you read it, and I understand that sometimes it seems like God's telling them to stay back a little bit. Sometimes God's calling them close. But as you read the whole counsel of Scripture, it does seem like God was actually wanting everyone to be able to come and experience the fullness of His presence and to know Him like Moses did face to face. But the people were afraid. The people saw the, the, the glory of God, the substance, the kabod of God, and they pulled back and said, Moses, why don't you go and do that for us? And then you come and tell us what he said. And I, I imagine as I read through those portions of Scripture that there was a little bit of brokenness in God's heart as he was calling these people, as he was showing them up to them, as he had delivered them from Egypt and he had supplied for them in the, in the wilderness. And now he's wanting to draw them in closer and they decide they want to keep a safe distance from God. And I would say that's probably true of a lot of people today. God has wanted the same thing from the beginning to the end. We see Exodus to Revelation. God's heart is He's wanting us to be able to be a kingdom of priests that get to know and experience the full intimacy and presence of God, to know Him even as we are known by Him, to see Him face to face, to experience the fullness of his presence. And yet many of us have contented ourselves or because of fear 
or because of other things that we love or because of apathy. I don't know. We've, we've just chosen to keep a safe distance from God. It's good enough to watch God, to know God. It's good enough to know people who know God well. And we'll just kind of count that as good enough for us. Or maybe we just think we're not worthy. That if God really knew who I was, he wouldn't be drawing me close. And, and, and those are all realities that we wrestle with. Those are all thoughts that we have inside our hearts and inside our minds. But the truth of the scripture and what I'm here to tell you is that God wants you all the way in. He wants what he had with Adam in the garden. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to get to a place where you are naked and unashamed in his presence. That you have nothing to hide, nothing to fear. You have that assurance we talked about last week. And here we have a different description of it with Moses who goes up into that mountain. He says, God, I want to see your glory. And God says, okay, I'll show you my glory. I'll let you know the fullness of my nature. I'll let you experience all that I really am. And yet many of the people stayed back and didn't experience it. And then we pick up in 1 Peter 2, 2 verse 9. So Peter is a guy that spent time with Jesus, the incarnate presence of God. He actually got to walk with him for three years. He was called out of his sin and kind of uh, troubles into a relationship with Jesus in the flesh on earth. And he walked with Jesus and his life was so changed by that. And then he writes to the people that he's caring for, the church that he loved and cared for. And he says to them in 1 Peter 2, 9, I want you guys to know that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, Peter, if anybody should have felt like he had a special place in God's family or in, in God's um, church. But instead he's saying, no, we're all just the same. We're all a royal priesthood. You have every access that I ever had to Jesus. We are all royal priests. And this, this applies to us today too, that, that God considers us royal priests, those of us who have put our faith in Christ, who have received his spirit. And that goes for you too, that you are a priest. There is no intermediary necessary. Really what I'm saying is you don't need to listen to me anymore. You don't even need me in your life at all. I'm a pastor, but I'm a nothing. I'm just one of you guys. I'm just as messed up. It's true. It's true. Now, hopefully I can be helpful and you can be helpful to me because we do need encouragement. We need all of those things. We need teachers. We need pastors. We need apostles, prophets, and evangelists. No doubt about it. But the truth is, is that everything that I experience in the Lord, you can experience in the Lord. Everything Peter experienced in the Lord, I can experience in the Lord. There is no separation. God got rid of that. Actually, the one thing that Jesus was so upset about the Pharisees was that they were putting layers between the people and God. They were making it hard for people to access God's presence. They would come to the temple, and instead of just being able to go straight to, to prayer and, 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 and experiencing worship and all of that, they had to exchange their money for temple money. They had to buy a sacrifice. They had to do all these things. And, and Jesus went in there and just tore all that stuff out. He said, quit make, putting these trips on people. Let, let them know they're supposed to come. Even the disciples were like, keep the children away. Jesus was like, no, let the children come. Let them come. Let them come. And then we know the great, um, powerful illustration of when Jesus died on the cross, across town, in that temple, there was this large curtain that represented the veiling of God's presence. God's presence was so holy that, that they, they had this veil that would separate God's presence. And when Jesus died on that cross, that veil was torn. 
And it was like God finally just saying once and for all, this old system, this Old Testament, the priesthood, and all of those things were good for the time, but they were all just a picture, a shadow of the reality that I'm bringing you into. And Jesus tore that veil. There is no separation at all anymore for those who are in Christ. And it's true, Christians believe crazy things. I, 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 I mean, saying some of these things, it sounds crazy. Um, here's, I wrote some of these crazy things down. This is what Christians believe. This is how crazy we are. We believe there's an almighty God who created everything and he knows my name and he knows your name. What? It's crazy. Yeah, it sounds crazy unless it's true. Not only does he know our name, but he loves us so much that he sacrificed his own life for us. What? Crazy. Yes, but that's what we believe. That's what Jesus revealed. That's what the Bible teaches. So it's either crazy or it's true. And maybe both. Then after sacrificing his life, Almighty God rose from the dead and then put his spirit inside me. God's spirit, the creator, omnipotent God's spirit lives inside me and lives inside you if you've received Christ. The Bible says it this way, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. It's an amazing, crazy, wild thing. But those of us who have experienced it, it's true. It's true. And as we talked about last week, and it's for you, even if you feel like you're far off, God wants to put His own Spirit in you. And then lastly, we believe the Almighty God placed His Spirit inside of us so that we can heal the world. <laughs> what? Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. It's true. God's Spirit is inside me so that I can be a part in healing the world. Just as my sinful nature caused me to add to the pain in the world, now the nature of Christ that dwells in me is allowing me to now bring the righteousness of God into the world and, and to heal the world and to bring justice into the world. And I don't always get it right for sure, but, but I, it's happened. It's happened. There's been people who have told me that God has used me in their life to bring healing or light or strength or direction. And it's amazing because I know who I am. And I know who I was. And my wife knows who I am. And my kids know who I am. And some of my friends know it. And they're like, yeah, crazy. Crazy. So we believe these crazy things, but we don't believe them without substance, without evidence. We don't believe them without the backing of the scriptures, which have withstood the test of time. And we don't believe them without the assurance that the Spirit gives us as we walk in these things. And so I'm encouraging you to try and believe those things. Even the craziest thing that God loves you and knows your name. God loves you enough to die for you. And God wants to put His Spirit inside you. And God wants you to become a priest that heals the world. That heals the world. So that's what the Scriptures are teaching us. And again, we read the culmination of all of that in Revelation um, chapter, chapter 5, where in the end, that's really what God is doing. And we are either going to be a part of that kingdom of priests or we are not based on what we do with Christ. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about the priesthood of believers and how this kind of works out in day-to-day -day life. Um, here's a quote by John Piper that I thought was helpful. He says, We all, both lay people and vocational elders, are the priests of this new spiritual house. And our privilege now as priests is to draw near to God with spiritual sacrifices. The priests brought the sacrifices in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, but now the tabernacle is replaced by the Christian church. 
The atoning altar is replaced by Jesus Christ and His shed blood, and the priests are replaced by you, those who believe in Christ. And it's interesting even here, because of this COVID season, it's, it's the, the temple has been replaced by the church, the Christian church, and what we used to think of was a building, Central and Glendale, Living Streams. But now we're talking about your own home. Your own home is the temple that God wants to use right now to allow His presence to be um, seen and known by people around. That's why we're asking people to invite you into their life. And Jay Murphy this morning was even talking about how our own bodies, the Bible calls the temple. So not only is it, is it the church, Living Streams, Central and Glendale, or your home, or whatever household you might have, but it's also your own bodies become the, the dwelling place of God, where people can have an encounter with God just by meeting you. It's the amazing, wonderful, good news of the gospel. Um, and there's constantly been this, like we saw in, in, in Exodus, there's constantly in the church been this, this desire for this safe distance from God. And if we're not careful, we're going to do like the Pharisees did and start to create this safe distance that Jesus had to overcome. Or, or we know in, in the Catholic Church, at one point, they had created such a distance between God and His people where, where the Mass was in Latin so people couldn't understand it. The priests were the only ones who could really know God and take communion. And on and on and on. And that's why this Reformation happened where Martin Luther was like, no, this is not right. This is not what God wants. He doesn't want a hierarchy in His kingdom. He wants everyone to know their royal priests. Read the Scriptures. See it there. And that's where the concept or the phrasing of priesthood of all believers comes from is Martin Luther's words. Um, and then another person that's been helpful in helping me unpack all of this is one of our very own. Um, he's an elder at the church here, and his name is Dan Riccio. And he wrote a little piece that he shared with me as I was asking him for some, uh, some, some good stuff on the priesthood of believers. And it inspired me to kind of take four things that he had mentioned I think are really important to us. So these four things, if you have a pencil, if you could jot these down, um, this kind of sums up the way I think that, that we can interpret how we're supposed to act as priests. Um, and when I say we're all supposed to be priests, I don't mean we should all work at a church. That's not, that would not be a good thing. We need, we, need, we need to spread out. We need to go into every sphere of life and society with this, with this priesthood. Um, so it's not a vocational priesthood, it's a positional priesthood. We need to see ourselves positionally like a priest which means we have full access to God, which means we can know Him even as we are known by Him, the Scripture says. So a positional priesthood is what we're longing for, um, for our people. But here's the characteristics of a biblical priest. First of all, a biblical priest moves towards people in pain. It's just a constant thing you see in the life of Christ, in the life of the apostles, but also in the life of the Old Testament priests. They were the ones that people would go to. Um, for instance, when Jesus uh, said to the leper, hey, you've been cleaned, why don't you go and show yourself to the priest? The priest had a role in that way to be with the people who were hurting, to help in those regards. And uh, priests are people who move to pain. And I want to encourage you, as you are now wrestling with this identity that you are a priest, you are supposed to be fully in and engaged in that way, that you would allow your heart to be moved towards people in pain. That you wouldn't try and avoid it, you wouldn't try and escape all pain, but you would be people that say, hey, you know what? I know in, in, in that pain there's a fellowship with Christ that I really long for. And uh, I have something to do with that pain. The second thing is a, is a biblical priest seeks to gain understanding. And I think this is important that we as, as priests, sometimes we get you know, zealous in our, in, our, in our good news and in our preaching and our proclaiming. And we forget to really seek understanding. And there was a guy who passed away this last week named Ravi Zacharias. And uh, his, his life... 
and message was so powerful and loud for the Lord. Um, and I just so appreciated how he sought to understand people. He talked about all the people. He was an apologist, and people would question him and throw him all these challenges and all these doubts. And he, he, never, he never wanted to respond to the question. He wanted to respond to the questioner. He knew these questions were coming from a person, a person who, who was having something go on inside their heart and mind that was bringing about these questions or maybe these attacks. And so he would never respond to that, but he would always seek to understand the heart of the person asking the question and be able to respond that way. And I love that attitude. We need not just courageous Christians, we need competent Christians, ones who know the Word of God, devote themselves to understanding God and His Word, but then also understand the world that we're in and the challenges people are facing. And take a second to pause. Instead of speaking out, we listen first and speak later. That's a biblical characteristic of a priest. Also, a biblical characteristic of peace is one who lives a life of boundaries. Now, this is not going to be popular. No way, especially with you high schoolers or whatever, if you're listening. But it is true that God called His priests to be set apart. He, he wanted them to be different, to live different than the rest of the world. And, and there, is, there is an importance there. One is because anything that we allow in our lives that is not of God can cause separation from God. It can cause the, the love of God, the, the goodness of God, the, the message of God to be diluted in our lives. And so a priest really is called to live a life of boundary. And that is, you know, Sabbath and maintaining your own health, not living at a pace that's outside the grace of God. It is even probably eating and, and drinking and those type of things. I mean, there's Nazarite vows. There's all these things where God does call us to separate ourselves from society. In fact, in James chapter 1, it says that true religion, true ministry is this, that you care for orphans and widows in their distress and you keep yourself unspotted from the world. And a true priest, one who lives into that calling, wants the presence of God so much so that they, they let go of a lot of things that cause, could cause them to miss out on the presence of God. And the last thing that a biblical priest does is he administers healing unto life, he or she administers healing unto life. We're, we, we walk in a way that we trust. God has given us authority. God has anointed us to actually heal this world. And so when we're listening, we're not listening just going, oh, I have no idea what to do. But we're listening to people at the same time listening to see what God might have us impart. And we go into this world binding and loosing things. We go into this world filled with the spiritual gifts that we have of healing, faith, words of wisdom and knowledge. And a way this has shown up a lot in my life is, is when people pray for me. I'll tell them what's going on and then they'll listen to the Lord and then they'll speak something that there's no way they could know unless the Spirit of God was telling them that. And I've been able to step into that as well where I'm listening for, for, for someone's heart. I'm understanding where they're at but then I'm also trying to understand what God might be saying and doing kind of listening prayer and then be able to speak those things over people. And that's the role of a priest. And not only that, but also we can bring in healings. We can set captives free. We can get, let demon-possessed people be free. We, this is our call. This is what we're supposed to do. And uh, it's happening here at Living Streams. I get to hear stories of it. And, and I really ask that you would kind of ask the Lord, you know, be compelled by the love of Christ to say, okay, God, I'm ready to step up. I don't want anything between us. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm okay to have the stigma of being called a priest if that's what you want, Lord. If that's what you want, Lord. And as we've seen in scriptures, it is true. It is what God, what God wants for us. 
So we're going to finish here with a song, again, a little response time. And, and that is what I want you to do. I, I want you to just really say, okay, Lord, where am I at in this? Have I said yes to you or have I shrunk back? Have I allowed other people to be the priest for me instead of stepping into being a priest like you've asked me to be? And just kind of wrestle with that some and, and, uh, and during the song. And then whatever the Lord says, just respond to him and say, okay, Lord, surrender your life or, or um, sing the song of worship, whatever you need to do to respond to the Lord. But he's near you. He loves you. He's thinking about you. And he wants to put his spirit inside you. So do that during this song.